Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. doing today okay good isn't it amazing what just one hour less of sleep can do to a human being amen not only do you have one hour less but you don't have time for your second cup of coffee people could die today people could die today this morning with the Lord's help if my computer catches up with me. I want to talk to you this morning about the missing ingredient. You ever feel like you're just missing one thing? You ever been there when just one thing made all the difference in the world? The missing ingredient. A couple of weeks ago, I needed a to build a computer. I'm not a, a tech genius, but I can, I've built a few computers, and I gathered all the pieces and set the case down and began to put in the, the power supply and the motherboard and the hard drives and the RAM, and I got everything hooked up and fully expected, like the other times I'd build a computer, when you turn it on, it boots up and you're ready to go, and I turned it on and it started to boot up and then it shut off. But that's odd. So I looked around inside and everything seemed to be in order so I, I tried to boot it again and it would boot up and then start to boot up and, and shut off. It wouldn't even get to the beeps which are diagnostic. They tell you what's wrong. It didn't even get to there. It just would shut off. And, went through it and through it and through it and again and again the same thing so I thought I'm just, I'm just going to start over so I took it all apart took every piece off and even down to the processor off the motherboard and then put it all back and very careful and methodical about making sure because they're touchy you know and everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be at least as I thought it was and I got it put together and same thing and um, wouldn't boot. And uh, I, I just, for the life of me, couldn't figure out what was wrong. I called a computer tech guy, and we talked about it over the phone. And he said, try this. I already said, I already did. He said, try that. I said, I already did. He said, try this. I said, I already did that. He said, I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> okay, I appreciate your help. I just let it sit for a couple of days and I woke up one morning and just like that in my mind I saw a wire it only had two little prongs it only plugged into two little prongs on the motherboard and in, in my mind I saw that and I, I just I just knew the moment I saw that in that in in my mind I, I was supposed to take that unplug it flip it and plug it back in again And so I I couldn't wait to get done with my morning coffee, and I 
opened the side of the computer and I pulled that little wire off and I flipped it and plugged it back in and turned the computer on and it booted up. Runs perfect. Just that one change. Hey, Ira, if you got a second, for some reason this isn't pulling up on here for me. I don't know why. Maybe you can make it work. Um, but you know, our life, our life with God can be like that. Where just one little change can make all the difference in the world. And we can, we can be going along for years. And then all of a sudden... Anybody have a, ever had a moment with God where it just, from that moment forward, it was all different? Everything had changed. We're going to be looking at a guy today whose life was like that. His name was Elisha. How many have heard of him? He was the cohort, if you will, to Elijah. He was anointed by God to take Elijah's place when Elijah left. Josiah, if you can go back and get ready to put the scripture on the screen for me. And God sent him, Elijah, to a place. He had interrupted Elijah's day and said, I want you to go to this place. I want you to find the son of this man. And I want you to anoint him as your successor. So the Bible says that Elijah went to that place and he sees that man and he's, that man is in the field plowing. You know, sometimes you will find out that if you don't know what to do for God, the thing to do is just do what's in front of you. Just, just be doing something. The Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Well, Elisha was plowing, and he was not only plowing, he was plowing, and his plow had 12 oxen hooked to it. Now, that's some serious plowing. I've been out in Amish country, and they'll have a, a horse or sometimes two hooked to a plow. Elisha had 12. And Elijah walked up to Elisha, took his coat, his mantle, threw it over him, and began to walk off. And Elijah said, sir, please give me a moment. Let me go tell my family that I'm leaving. And Elijah's response is, dude, I don't care what you do. That's called encouragement. <laughs> and Elijah doesn't go back and tell his family. The Bible says he stops right there. He takes one of the ox, he kills it. He takes the, 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 the yoke that had hooked them together and he, he starts a fire with that and he cooks the meat on the fire and the people that are standing around, said, he said, here, eat, eat my oxen. I'm out of here. And he follows Elijah. And you would think after a start like that, something great would happen, but we hear nothing for years. It's like Elisha disappears. 
There's no miracles. There's no real. There's not really much. It's according to who you believe. Six, eight, ten years have passed. We really hear nothing about Elisha until this verse. Josiah, put it up on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said unto Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. While the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground and so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you Elisha said please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me And so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, 
and Elisha crossed over. Bow your heads and pray with me and for me today. Father, we are so very grateful to be your child. And I know you have put this word on my heart to share with your people today. And, and Father, I stand on this promise that your word will never return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. And I ask you, God, for liberty of spirit and clarity of thought as I share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Elijah, you talk about a prophet. Now, there was a prophet. This man was used by God in such a profound way in the Old Testament. He one time prayed that the sun would stand still. And it stood still. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. He prayed that it would rain, and it rained. He prayed for a child who was dead to be restored to life, and it was restored. He prayed for a woman who was barren to have children, and she had children. One time a group of men came to capture him to take him back, and his answer was basically, if I'm a man of God, then fire's going to fall from heaven and consume you. And it did. That's, that's a man of God right there. In fact, one time, he stood and faced the prophets of Baal. This, this story is erroneously called the 450 prophets of Baal, but you need to go back and read. It's actually 850. And there was a time in Israel when the people of God didn't know who to believe. They didn't know who was God. Kind of sounds like today, isn't it? And Elijah was going to be used by God to demonstrate who was God. And so Elijah stood before the 850 prophets of Baal, stood before Queen Jezebel and stood before King Ahab and said, we're going to let the God who answers by fire be God. You take an ox and you kill it and you put it on a, on a fire, but don't you put any fire under it. You put it on an altar, but don't you put any fire under it. And you call on your God to send down fire. And then I will do the same thing. And whatever God answers by fire is God. 850 to 1. This is a no-brainer. So they take an ox and they cut it and they put it on the altar and they stack wood underneath it. And the Bible says they began to call out to their God. This started in the morning, probably about 9 o'clock. And they called out to their God and they called out to their God. And by noon, nothing had happened. You can imagine the, the attitude in the camp as they got more passionate and Elijah did not stand over the corner and just wait he he stood and mocked them maybe you need to speak louder maybe he's lost his hearing maybe you need to wait for a little bit maybe he has left and he needs to come back and they get aggravated and they begin to cry the louder and they begin to dance and they begin to shout and by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, nothing has happened, and Elijah's over there mocking them, and they get 
frustrated. And the Bible says that they began to cut themselves and bleed on their own sacrifice to demonstrate to their God how earnest they are and nothing happens. What a symbol of what it's like to serve the devil. You just pour out your life and nothing happens. And finally, when they were frustrated and they were done, Elijah said, let me show you how to do this. And he, he put together the altar of God and he killed the ox and he put it on there and he put the wood under it. And, and then he said, I want you to get some buckets of water and pour it on the altar. How many know you don't put fire and water together? I learned that the hard way one time camping. You weren't allowed to bring firewood in, so you had to buy some locally. And I found some locally, but it wasn't very good fire. It wasn't very good firewood. It was green. And it was still kind of damp inside. And we had our son, our oldest son, and he had a friend with us camping. And we, we got back to the campsite, and I, I put the wood, and I tried to get a fire going. It ain't happening. Him and his friend are sitting there with sticks and marshmallows on, waiting, just waiting. I'm sure minutes felt like hours. The problem was just a campsite away, 50 feet, was, was some old guy. He was lighting up the forest with his fire. It was just burning. And I'm trying, but the wood's wet. It's just not any good. And my son... I said, Dad, why, why don't you go ask him how to make a fire? That felt good. I said, I, don't, I know how to make a fire. The problem is I, I, it's the wood. I got down and tried some more, and finally, you know, their the sticks are starting to limp over. And finally, one of them spoke up. Dad, would, would it bother you if we went over to his fire? Elijah didn't care that water and fire don't mix. He had him pour water on the fire three times to the point it was filling up a ditch around the altar. And the Bible says that Elijah called on God to answer by fire, and the fire came down. And go ahead and read it. The Bible says that, that the fire not only consumed the sacrifice and the wood, it, it licked up the water in the ditch and it consumed the stones and the dust that was there. Boy, Elijah was, he was a man of God. We don't hear from Elijah after this story until far in the future when the John the Baptist has come. And people are thinking... The Jews are thinking that John the Baptist is Elijah come back. And when John the Baptist puts that to rest, we later find out when Jesus asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? The answer was some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Imagine being confused for Jesus or Jesus being confused for you. 
We also see Elijah show up. One day, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and they separate from the rest of the group, and they go to a, a mountain, and God begins to speak to Jesus, but there were two others there. There was Moses and Elijah show up. And we understand that Jesus consults with the two of them. Think about that for a moment. Elijah shows up and is consulting Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Elisha says to Elijah, before you go, I want twice the anointing on my life that you have. It reminds me of Jesus saying to you and I that when I go, I will send you another comforter and you will do the works that I do and greater. But how come we're not doing the greater? Why no greater? Because see, you see, there's a missing ingredient. I started off by telling you the story of the computer, and it was just one little change of something. Everything else was ready and in place. Everything else was correct. Everything else was up to grade. Everything else was waiting for that one change to change everything. And we begin to see the change here in this text. Because for years now, Elisha has been following Elijah around. He's bringing him food. He's fixing him meals. He's washing his clothes. He's following along behind him on the donkey. When they're walking through the desert, Elisha is walking with him. Miracles happen, and Elisha stands there and watches it happen. Surely he talks to other people. Do you see what my Elijah did? That's incredible. Elijah says, wash my clothes. Give me something to eat. And Elisha follows him for years. I'm sure Elisha was asking a question. This isn't what I signed up for. Dude, when you showed up at my house, if you do a little research, you find that Elijah's dad is rich beyond measure. He is one rich individual. I'm sure Elisha had this attitude. You showed up at my house and I had the good life going. You called me to follow you because I was supposed to replace you and all I've done is laundry. I've fixed meals. I've just walked around seemingly getting nothing done. You ever felt like that? Anybody ever been there? You feel like there's got to be more to life than this. You can bet Elisha thought about that. He thought about the servants he had that fixed him meals. He thought about the comfortable bed. He thought about the, the home he lived in. This dude walks around in the desert eating locusts. Ah. He asked a question that sometimes we have asked. God, this isn't what I signed up for. 
This isn't, this isn't what it was supposed to be happening. And then the day comes. It's amazing that Elisha knows that this is the day Elijah is leaving. And to begin a journey, and they head to some place, they get to Bethel, and Elijah says to Elisha, you wait here. You stay here. He even says, please, stay here. I'm going to Jericho. You stay here. He turns to leave. And Elijah said, whoa, 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 no. No, I, I, I'm not staying here. No, no. I'm, I'm, where you go, I go. Elijah and Elisha go to Jericho, and these, they're there. And Elijah turns to him and says, you, you stay here. You stay right there. Please. I've got to go on. And he goes on. And Elisha said, no, no, wait a minute, no. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm not staying here. And at both of those stops, there were other people. Did you know today was a day that God's going to take Elijah from you? Yeah, I know, just quit talking about it. Can I tell you something? I'll tell you what the, meat, the missing ingredient is. The missing ingredient is your tenacious yes. Because a lot of people will tell God yes until he takes them someplace. And then they get settled there. They get settled in one place. I'm saved. Can I tell you being saved is not a destination? It's a beginning. Jesus didn't die on a cross simply so that we can be saved. He died on a cross so we can be saved and used from him to help save others. To be used by him. He said, it was expedient for you that I go away. Because when I go, the other comforter will come and he, he will use you. Can I tell you that as long as you're willing to stay there, you will stay there. But inside of you needs to be an attitude that says, God, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay simply saved. I don't want to stay with what I have. Can I tell you that if you feel like you've got all of God you need, you'll get, you have all of God you're ever going to get. There's got to be something inside of you that says, I want more. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. I didn't sign up just to be saved. I'm going to the end with you. And our heart needs to be, have this attitude. Our spirit needs to have this truth that you are going with Jesus all the way. 
He said, I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He said, I will cast out demons. He said, I will do miracles. If you're willing just to be saved, you'll be stuck at just being saved. But something inside of you has to say, I'm moving forward. The tenacious yes. God is simply waiting for your yes. It is the one thing God cannot provide you. You provide the yes. You provide the the attitude that says, I'm going after God. Without that, you will stay there. Elisha said, no, no, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in you. And so they, they go to Jericho. And the prophet says, you, you stay here. He said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not staying here. Some people are okay just being saved. Some people are okay with... with, with with being able to tell people they're called, I'm called of God. I know in our denomination, we are arguing left and right about the word bishop. There was a post on a minister's Facebook page that's just for Church of God ministers that asked about the term bishop. Who's called a bishop? Last I saw, there were 457 comments. While society is is killing babies after they're born, the religious are arguing about the word bishop. Can I tell you, that is so far down on my list of priorities. I know how to spell it, but if I couldn't spell it, I wouldn't care. But if you're willing that your relationship with God will be encompassed by arguing about the term bishop, you can stay there. But I want to go forward. I want more. And Elijah says, I'm I'm not staying at Bethel, and I'm not staying at Jericho. I'm going all the way. And so Elijah moves forward to the Jordan River and they're standing there and now there's a crowd watching. Can I tell you, when you move forward in God, you'll gather a crowd because most people are stuck back there or they're stuck there. We are dying in this country for somebody to stand up and be a voice for God, but not in a pulpit. In Walmart, at your job, in your home. Some time ago, I had, was praying about this, what I believe is an awakening coming to America. And, and I was praying, and I, for years, my wife and I have prayed that God would restore the wonder and the awe to the body of Christ, like happened in the book of Acts. And I was praying that, and and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that this final move will look less like the book of Acts than it does the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon? Where's the move of God in Song of Solomon? 
I had to go read it. And in the Song of Solomon, the woman in the story, which represents the church, is laying in bed sleeping. And the beloved, which represents Jesus, shows up in her room and she's asleep. And he leaves and she wakes up and she can tell he was there. But she can also tell that he's now gone. And so what does the Bible say? The Bible says that she gets out of her bed and she goes out into the streets looking for him. Can I tell you that's the, that's the spark? That's the missing ingredient for this last move? Don't wait for it to show up behind this pulpit. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of where you're sleeping. When she got out of her bed, she was comfortable, and she was protected, and she was warm. Now she had to go out there where it's dangerous. She's going out there looking for him. You said, that's a strange place to look. Jesus said, when you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. This move of God will happen and there will be nobody's name on it. We're not going to go to a geographic location to see revival. It's going to be spontaneous with average normal people like you and I praying for somebody in the store. Wouldn't it be great if people started going to Walmart hoping to get prayed for? I'm just wandering the aisles. My neighbor was here, and they got prayed for, and they got healed. And I heard my, my boss at work was at Walmart, and he got healed. And I heard this person got healed. So I'm at Walmart looking for those healing people. He tells us the name of the three stops. The first stop is Bethel. First stop is Bethel. Bethel means holy, set apart. Are you set apart? Can I tell you without quiet times with God, you'll never know God's heart? You'll never know. You have to be set apart. You, you have to have those times when you and God, you have intentionally set yourself apart. But they left Bethel to go to Jericho. Jericho is where the walls came down. You're going to have to get some walls down, folks. The walls that you have up when you leave this house in a little bit. We got to get over this. We're Christian in here, but we're like everybody else out there. Wednesday night's lesson was on mere men. Paul told the Corinthian church, you, you are acting like mere men. Jeff came to me after service because he had looked up the word mere and it means indistinguishable. Paul was saying, you don't, you don't, you're not distinguishable from those people who don't have God. There should be a difference, amen? Jericho is where you let the walls get down. We got to get out of our comfort zone, people. 
we got to get out of this wall where they look mean. I'm not going to pray for them. Can I tell you that God was probably going to send you to people who don't look like they want prayed for? Do you know that? He's my neighbor and I love him, but he's as hard-nosed and nasty. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, he's got a mouth. My dad was a Navy guy. I grew up in it. How many know what I'm talking about? This guy set records. I think he invents bad words. I don't know what you just said, but it sounded bad. And he's an only child, and he's never been married, and he has no children, and he really does have a good heart. But he's 70 some years old, and he lives in the house that he was raised in, which happens to be right next door to us. And he came over one morning, some time ago, and I don't remember what prompted him to come over. But after we got done talking, he had, uh, he turned to walk away, and I saw him limping. I know I shared this before, but I have to share it again. Not everybody's heard it. I saw him limping, and I said, hey, whoa, whoa, Fred, what's going on? He said, oh, that blankety-blank diabetes I have. He said, I, I've got a sore on the bottom of my foot. It's been there for 34 years. He says, it gets a little bit better, and then it gets worse. And he said, and they've never been able to get it. He said, man, it's all flared up now. He said, I can hardly walk. Man, here's this rough-looking guy that'll cuss you out. Listen, he drives his car through his yard chasing geese off his property. While beep, I'm telling you the truth, while beeping and shooting a paint gun at him. Don't, don't. He's cool. I like it. A lot of excitement. Just want to sit in the backyard and watch, see what Fred's doing. He turns to walk away, and the Holy Spirit says, pray for him. Now, let, let's be honest. How, how many know it would be easier to pray for a little 70-year-old woman who said, could you pray for me, please, than him? All right? Oh, we on the same page? I say, hey, Fred, Fred, what? I step down on my porch. I go up to him. I said, buddy, I need to pray for you. I said, God doesn't want that foot to be like that. It's just not God's will. Okay. I said, buddy, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder when I pray for you? He said, sure. I put my hand on his shoulder and I begin to pray moment I touched his shoulder, I felt God's heart for him. I felt how God loved this man. And I prayed. And I got done and I opened my eyes and he's standing there like this. He goes, look at my arms! The dude had goosebumps upon goosebumps. He goes, what the blank was that? This is what he said. I said, <laughs> I said, it was just, that, that was God, Fred. 
He's wanting you to know that he's real and he's here and he loves you. And he touched you today. Look at my arms. And it was, it was 80-some degrees outside, and he had goosebumps that stinking tall. He goes, thank you. He's turned to walk like this. He goes, look at my arms. And it was funny. about He walked about 30 feet going like this. I didn't see him for a while. I mean, I'd see him, and he'd beep, and he'd wave. And I had a, a, a pile of wood I needed to cut up, man. And it was sitting out in, in, in my yard, and it was taking me a long time. J.D. and I would work on it when we had time, but it wasn't going down very fast. And one morning I'm having coffee, and I hear a tractor, and I hear noise out back, and I look out the window, and it's 7.30 in the morning, and it's Fred. He's out there at my wood pile with his chainsaw and his tractor. And I go out there, and I said, hey, Fred, what, what are you doing, man? He said, I'm cleaning this mess up for you. I said, buddy, you don't, you don't have to do that. He says, yes, I do. He says, I owe you more than that. I said, what are you talking about? And right there in front of me, he danced. He says, my foot, it's healed. It's, it's all gone. It's not been healed in 34 years. And it's healed. And he said, even my doctor said, what, what happened? He said, not only is your foot healed, your blood pressure's down to normal. He said, man, I owe you a lot. And I said, buddy, I didn't do nothing. It was God that touched you. He kind of gives me a squinty. I said, speaking about God, as you may have noticed, I've been riding my motorcycle more lately. He said, you have? I said that because I hadn't noticed I said, you have? He said, yeah. He said, it was hard to ride before with my foot, but now I can go out and ride. He says, I, I, I'll go out and ride in the country. He says, and you know what I'm doing? I said, no. He says, you got me talking to him now. He said, I like to just go out and take a ride, and I'll go out in the country and ride. And he said, I don't know if he hears me, but I'm talking. How many knows God hears him? God hears him. I can think of few people harder to pray for than a crusty old man who's my neighbor. God will take you to somebody who's hard to pray for. If you won't do it for the least, he won't put you in front of the most. You've got to let down your wall. They went to Bethel because that meant holy place. They went to Jericho because that means the wall's got to come down. But then they went to Jordan. Jordan means flows down. That's what the word Jordan means, flows down. Bethel, Jericho, Jordan flows down, holy and separated. Walls have to come down flows down. I want to tell you something. Listen to me for a moment. Your anointing does not flow from you to God. It flows from God to you. He don't need your intelligence. 
He don't need your charm. He don't need your wit. He don't need your charisma. He don't need any of those talents you think you have. You need him. And the only thing he needs from you and I is yes. That's it. You can be handsome like somebody, somebody out there is handsome. <laughs> or you can be homely like us. You can be intelligent. You can be dumb. I looked everywhere, so nobody says I looked at them, okay? I've looked everywhere. I'm not looking at any one person. You can be capable or incapable. People, he used a donkey. He just needs you and I to say yes. And you and I need to have an attitude that refuses to be stuck where we are. When you know, some people have, have given up because they, they met resistance. But the resistance inside of you needs to be stronger than the resistance outside of you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. But he has too many parked at Bethel and too many parked at Jericho and too many parked at Jordan. If you want to get fame and fortune because you're anointed of God, he really isn't going to use you. You need to know that the, the anointing of God flows down. It's the anointing that makes the difference. And the anointing comes when you say, God, I'm not going to stay at Bethel. And I'm not going to stay at Jericho. I'm not going to be stuck at Jordan. I'm moving forward. Use me, God. Turn to the person next to you and say, God, use me. And I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap and make up a hedge. I understand God's a pursuer. I understand that. I understand. Some would say we get to heaven by grace. For by grace are we saved. What it says? Some would say it's all by faith. Some would say it's a mixture of faith and grace. Some would say it's all by the work of Jesus on the cross. Some would say you demonstrate your belief in the work on the cross by the works that you do. For me, it's simpler than that. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that one ingredient everybody in heaven has. Every one of them wanted to be there. Every person in heaven will be there because they want to be there. They not only accepted what Jesus did on the cross to free them from their sin, free them from their lifestyle, but they purposed in their heart to make it into heaven. There will be nobody in heaven standing around going, you got to be kidding me. Please tell me this gets better. Oh, man, I, I got on the wrong flight. I was hoping to go the other direction. 
There'll be nobody in heaven saying, well, I'll give this a shot. Let's see what's up about this. No, no, no. I'll tell you what, everybody who's in heaven wants to be there. And there has to be that attitude that says, God, if you're looking for somebody, use me. When I go to Walmart, use me. Show me somebody to pray for. Put somebody on my heart, God. Use me, God. I'm not going to stay stuck there. If you're moving forward, I'm moving forward. No, 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 please. That's enough. You've done enough. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. That's enough. And you and I need to have the attitude that says, no, God, use me. I didn't sign up for washing clothes. I didn't sign up for just, I signed up to be used by you. So you say to God, God, use me. And I'll tell you where he's going to use you. Wherever your feet find you. Stand your feet if you would this morning. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.